The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word. I'm excited to get into the Word this morning, as I always am, because I'm trusting and believing God to do great things, doing great things in your life and in my life, in our lives together, and I can't think of a better time to see great things happen. I mean, I want to see some great things take place in my life, in my house, in our country. Uh, We just have a real need for some great things to happen here, and uh, I, I believe that God's Word has all of the answers and solutions. So I, I feel a little bit off of my game. You ever had a day like that where you just feel a little off? Then there are little things, right? Like have you ever forgotten to wear a belt? Like you get used to wearing a belt and you forget to wear a belt one day and you just feel like the whole world is like sideways. Stuff like that, right? So, I mean, I had an issue uh, this week. I was working and I managed to, to, to injure my ring finger. I mean, something, it was a, a puncture wound and apparently it, it went pretty deep because the finger swelled up. And I think I got my wedding ring off like right in time, right? Before it became like, you know, this is really a problem. You know, in fact, I was pulling on it pretty hard. It was, there was a moment there where it was a little sketchy. So I, I, you know, I pulled it off and I thought, yeah, you know, I don't want to not wear it. So I'll wear it on my pinky. Well, now I feel like a mob (laughs) boss. I feel like I should be, you know, in the mob. Uh, That that feels weird. That makes me feel a little sideways. Many of you probably notice, I, I, though I have a closet of clothes, I wear the same thing all the time, right? I mean, I just do. It's just kind of in my nature. It doesn't bother me. For some people, it drives them nuts. And, and this is a different jacket. That feels weird, right? So if all of a sudden, you know, I kind of glaze over and just kind of lock up, just give me a second to reboot. I'll get back with you. It's just I've got to overcome some things this morning. Yeah, but I'll, I'll shake it off. You know, it's like putting tape on the paws of a cat, right? Eventually, it's, it's fun to watch, right? And eventually, the, the cat figures it out. Well, that's kind of where I'm at today. Uh, but I want to get into the Word because there's great stuff. There's great things that I want to share with you. I know God's got things for us. So here's a few things we're going to find. If you want to take some notes, I strongly encourage that, you know, writing things down. God's speaking to, to us together, and He's speaking to you. I mean, God cares about your life. He cares about every aspect of your life, and he's showing you things, great things, because he's leading you into the wonderful future that he has for you. So here's one thing we're going to find. One, what glorifies God? You know, we came together and we sang some songs this morning, and, and you know, those songs were, were songs that were filled with wonderful, true statements about who God is and, and uh, uh, how wonderful he is, but there's something that exists in all of our lives that, that we can do that glorifies God. We're going to see that in the scripture, and we're going to emphasize uh, one part of it heavily. Uh, a second thing we're going to find is what God's will is for you, and I mean, this is really in the scripture, and there's, there's a couple of times in the scripture that read, as, as, as I'm about to state, this is the will of God. And then a statement follows. Well, whenever you see this is the will of God, the statement that follows is probably pretty important. It means God wants this for your life. And and this applies to every single one of us, not just some of us, but all of us. And we need to know what God wants for our life. A third thing that we're going to find is what we need to be aware of. There's something that, that I have, that you have, that we all have, and we need to be aware of it. Uh, it's something that we need to, to, to be mindful of and monitor and not just allow it to, uh, to be something that exists that we never 
give any attention to. So I want to get right into the word. What glorifies God? Uh, if you have uh, your Bibles, uh, you can turn to, or if you have your notes there, you can just jot it down. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 8. John chapter 15, verse 8. Now, we've used this verse before. We've even used it under these circumstances, what glorifies God. But I want to specifically focus on a single word in this when we get to it. So John chapter 15, verse 8. It reads like this. It says, God is glorified by this. Now, it's Jesus speaking here. So he says, my father, my father is glorified by this. He's talking about God. God is glorified by this. That you, now that's me and you that he's talking to, that you produce much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I mean, as Christians, we're meant to be productive. We're meant to, to produce things. I mean, the things that we're meant to produce are the good things that God's called us to do. And when we look at this passage of Scripture, we see that when we produce the things that God's called us to produce, it glorifies God. It doesn't matter how many, you know, worship albums we listen to, what radio station we're tuned into in our car, or, you know, how many special concerts, Christian concerts we go to. I mean, the, the musical aspect of worship is a wonderful thing. In fact, corporately, when we come together and glorify God, something great's taking place. We're joining in with all of the heavens and all of the angels and all of the, the angelic beings and coming together in what the word calls one accord. I mean, we're all in agreement making that same statement, and it's a really powerful and effective thing. But your life day in and day out brings God glory with every choice and decision you make, as long as those choices and decisions are the fruitful things that God's called us to. And our, our destiny, our purpose, our lives are meant to bring God glory. Now, there's a word here that I want to look at because it's really the word that, that is going to be the foundation for our entire journey through the word this morning. God's glorified that you produce much fruit and so be uh, disciples of Jesus. So you can get uh, an emphasis on any one of those words. We could talk about fruit, and, and we have talked about that. Uh, that's not the word that I want to emphasize today. The word that I want to emphasize today is one that isn't necessary for that sentence to exist. But yet it was intentionally allowed to be in there. It was chosen to be in there on purpose. Now that, that tells me something. That tells me we ought to pay attention to that word. That that word is not something that, that is an accident that's just kind of thrown in there. It wasn't required, so it's a part of it. But it was intentionally chosen to exist in there. And it's the word much. I mean, Jesus could have just said, hey, this glorifies God that you produce fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You know, if that's what he would have said, if that's what would have been written down, it, I'd still stand by it. That that's great. That's the call of God on my life and on your life to be productive. But it's interesting that Jesus, who never speaks casually, he never says anything by accident. He never stood up to preach and just thought, well, that worked out, you know. I mean, everything he's saying is the word of God brought into your life and my life. And in this case, the word much is included there. Well, that gets my attention. That it's not just God's uh, will for my life. It doesn't just glorify God that I be productive. He's, he's calling me to be really productive. I mean, really productive, much. Much is, is interesting in that it means more than just a little. And then I love that it's not even in a capacity where it's not just a, a bar that you can hit. You know why Jesus wouldn't just give us a bar that we could hit? Because that's what we'd do and then we'd stop, right? 
I mean, I, I have a list of things that are kind of my duties and chores around the house. And oftentimes when my duties and chores around the house are done, I, I'm not looking for more things to do. I consider, hey, you know, I, I did what I was obligated to do, check off the box, and where is the remote? <laughs> I mean, come on, you know what I'm talking about. That's pretty much it. But Jesus is telling us, I mean, that's why I think this is a really interesting passage of Scripture, and I think it's really important that he's not just saying, hey, God's glorified that you do five good things a day. Well, we'd wake up and start checking off the boxes, get our five good things in, and then we'd move on to, to the things that we would really want to do. This is about our entire life, your lifestyle, that it's not just that you do a handful of things, but that your life be in a constant state of being productive. I mean, there's tons of opportunities for this. In fact, I've started to ask myself, uh, with everything that I'm doing, was that productive or was that destructive? Was that productive or was that destructive? You can ask that about anything, a conversation. I've had a phone call. You know, you get done with that phone call and you ask yourself, was that productive? Did that build up the other person? Did that accomplish what God's called me and gifted me to accomplish? Or, or was it destructive? You can look at a project or a job or, or uh, you know, anything. It can, be, it can be anything, whether it's a relationship or, or even just idle time. If I find myself with idle time, did I use it in a productive way or was it destructive? Or we're called to be productive. And the word much there is the word that I want to emphasize. And here's why I want to emphasize much. I mean, we're, we're coming up on the week of the Thanksgiving holiday. I like Thanksgiving. You know, I think Thanksgiving is, is really uh, being diminished across our country, and that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for a couple of things. Thanksgiving is, is truly, you know, an American holiday, right? I mean, you don't see other countries celebrating Thanksgiving. It's, it's our holiday. So as it becomes unpopular to be an American, you can imagine that American holidays would become unpopular, right? I mean, just a year ago, you had pro athletes, you know, sending out all kinds of happy 4th of July things on their social media. This year, they're saying if you celebrate the 4th of July, you're racist. That's a problem for me. Like, I, I really have, that's, that's an issue. And you can't take the things that are American and make them un-American. It doesn't work. You're going to be left with a deficit and in a vacuum. So what you do need to do is take a look at these things and emphasize what they are and why they exist. I think Thanksgiving is worth talking about. Now, as a pastor, you know, the, the first thing you, the first gear you hit, the first thing you think of is, is yeah, we should talk about being thankful. And, and, you know, we really should. I mean, that's an important thing. And being thankful is important. It's biblically necessary. We are going to talk about it today. But I'm not sure that Thanksgiving is 100% about being thankful. I mean, though it's in the, the actual title of the holiday, the words right there, it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around that. I have to ask myself something when it comes to Thanksgiving or when it comes to being thankful, period, across the board. I mean, if the goal is just be thankful, then, then I think you're, you're left looking at the finish line and you have to ask yourself, what are we being thankful for? I mean, gratitude is really the result of something, right? I mean, being thankful is really the result of something. Uh, I have to ask myself, when I consider Thanksgiving and its origins, why did Thanksgiving start? Did a bunch of people just get together and say, hey, you know what we need? We need a holiday where we can just all say we're thankful. And, and we can spend all day cooking 
And then we can watch as it gets freezing cold because we go around the table one at a time saying what we're thankful for. And, and then by the time we're done, you know, the turkey will be dried out. We can all choke it down with tons of gravy. And it's going to be awesome. And we'll call it Thanksgiving and it'll be great. It, it, you know, I don't think that's how it, it worked. I think what happened is you got to look at this and realize there were people who had something so incredibly fantastic happen that they wanted to express their gratitude. And, and as we consider Thanksgiving, I think if we only talk about being grateful, then we're, we're left in a position of willing ourselves to be somewhere where we should naturally be anyway. I mean, have you been in those situations where it's like go around the table and say something you're thankful? Does that feel natural to you? It doesn't feel natural. It feels forced, and it feels odd, and it feels awkward. And, and, and I remember a time I was pastoring in, in Oklahoma, and, and we opened up the church service with, with, with prayer together. And I had called everyone to, we're going to take these next five minutes, and we're going to give God thanks. And people began to pray. And, and you know, the sound decibel level was up here for about the first 20 seconds. And then after about 30 seconds, it was here. And then after about, you know, 40 seconds, it was... And by the time, we didn't even make it a minute. And everyone's kind of just standing there with their hands in their pockets. And it, re it, it, it reveals something. It reveals, hey, listen, we understand the concept of being grateful, but do we realize all that we have to be grateful for? And if you don't realize what all you have to be grateful for, then you're finding yourself forcing yourself to be thankful or to be grateful. So what I want to do is I want to take a look at some things that God's brought into our lives that we ought to be grateful for and thankful for. And specifically, there's something as it concerns fruitfulness and bearing much fruit that I think ought to excite every believer. I mean, he didn't just call you to be productive. He called you to be really productive, and he gave you everything you need. So I want to look at how do you get here? How do you get to that place? It's real easy to take a look at our lives and, and run out of gas when it comes to gratitude too quickly. How can we multiply or see those things multiplied that exist in our life that are good? I want to look at an area of Scripture here. And I think we'll all be on the same page really quickly. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6. I want to begin around verse 33. I want to paraphrase a little bit. One, for, for time's sake, and then two, because it, I, I want to, uh, to make sure that we emphasize the, the correct things here. But I'm going to pull from this, this passage of Scripture. Let me give you a little context of what's going on here. And I want to offer context on, on both sides of things because I think it's really important that you be able to apply this to your life where you can hear this and say, hey, that, that sounds like my week last week. So you have uh, Jesus and the disciples and they have come off of some really great times. I mean, just life is good, couldn't be better. You know, Jesus has, has sent out the disciples to minister, and, and the results are, are coming in, and it's just fantastic. In fact, it says, you know, they went out, and they cast out devils, and they healed the sick. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty good, right? I mean, that's a good thing. So they're flying on this, this wonderful high. And then all of a sudden they get bad news, something that they, they didn't expect happened, and it's tragic, and, and they're, they're really let down. And, and so I, when I read stuff like this in the Scripture, it's helpful to me because it makes the Bible uh, uh, tangible to my life. Like that, that sounds like my life. 
I've had times that were just awesome, everything's going right, and then I didn't see that coming, and it's just a kick in the gut. And you end up on, on what would, by all uh, uh, explanations, just feel like a roller coaster. Highs and lows and highs and lows. And when I see those things in the Scripture, it makes the Bible at least relatable as it concerns those things. So you have uh, the, the disciples here. They've had these great times, and then they've had this, this low time, and they finally uh, get with Jesus, and, and here's, here's what it says. Now, how many of you have been busy recently? You feel a little busy? Okay. So you might read this and say, yeah, that's relatable, okay? So they come off the high time, they have the low time, and, and Jesus finally says when they gather together, he says, uh, hey, come away, we're going to go to, to a, just, a, the Bible calls it a lonely place, it just means we're going to go somewhere quiet, we're going to get some rest. And it reveals why they need this, it says, because they were doing so much uh, coming and going that they, they didn't even have time to eat. So, you know, I, I've been in those situations when you're working nonstop, you know. Sometimes you're working because it's working. Sometimes you're working because it's not working, and you need to keep it afloat. Either way, you're working. And, and God would call us to a place of, of getting away for some rest. And when they get away, work follows them. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with my cell phone. In fact, if I'm going to get away, the best place to pick is a place where there's no signal, right? Because then you just don't have any excuse. You can, you can, you, can, you know, shut your phone off, leave it in the glove box of your car, and, and you're done. But they come to this place, and, and the, the word says that they're followed. So here we are, Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 33. So people saw them going and recognized them, and they ran on foot from all of the cities, and they got there ahead of them. So I want to stop there for a second and just say these are people that really want something from Jesus. I mean, if, if we had a... a you know, a church leader or a political leader or some leader drive through town, imagine people hearing that he's driving through town and people in Clyde take off running trying to catch him before he passes through Haskell, you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing, but this is what's going on here. People are aware, hey, Jesus is in a boat and he went that way and they're all leaving their homes and running and they get there before he gets there. So here's a guy who's, who's looking to get away. He's looking to, to take the, the guys that have been working very hard, get a little downtime, and as soon as they, they row into shore there, everyone that, that, that they had left on that side is now on this side wanting some more. And what's amazing is, is Jesus doesn't get upset by it. He understands that this is, is something that is, is intentional and has purpose. He goes on to, to reveal that as you continue to read. But in verse 34, it says, When Jesus went ashore, he saw the crowd, and he felt compassion on them, because they were like sheep with no shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. So as, as you read on here, it says, When it was getting late, the disciples came, and, and they said, uh, we need to send these people away. This place is desolate. There's nothing to eat here. There's no place for them to go. Uh, and Jesus answered them, and he says, you give them something to eat. And one of the disciples just says, well, should we go and spend, you know, a year's wages on bread so that we can pass it out here? And Jesus responds, and he says, well, how much bread do you have? Go look. And when they go to look, they come back, and they have five loaves of bread and two fish. 
And Jesus commands them to sit down in groups on the grass. And when they sat down in groups, Jesus took the, the loaves of bread and he took the fish and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food. Some translations said he gave thanks. He broke it and he began to give it out to the disciples who sat before them, dividing up the fish and the bread among all of them. And they all ate and were satisfied. So much was left over, they picked up 12 baskets of pieces, so there was no waste. And all that were present were 5,000 men plus the women and children. I mean, it's a, it's a story that you might be familiar with, but I want to just talk about the concept there. I mean, here's a situation where uh, there is fruitfulness, there's productivity. Jesus gives an instruction, you know, hey, go look at what we have. Go look at how much bread we have. We've got hungry people. Go look. And you know, somebody came back and they completely accomplished that mission. Hey, we've got five loaves and we've got two fish. And I have to just ask myself, you know, if I were in that position, what would my attitude have been? When I was sent out to go look, go see what we have, you know, and I come back and I, I can hold in, in my hands what we have there, knowing that we need to feed the masses out here, I have to ask myself, you know, what would my attitude have been? Would I have been very optimistic? Would I have thought, hey, this is about to happen? Or would I be looking at that thinking, yeah, there ain't no way? And, and honestly, you know, my, my mentality would lean toward the ain't no way. But I think that's something that God's working on in me, and I think he's working on that in all of us. Because the reality is I would have felt fruitful. Well, Jesus told me to do this, and I did it. Here's, here's a few loaves of bread. Here's a couple of fish. Mission accomplished. But yet that call on my life isn't just to be productive. It's to be very productive. It's not just to produce fruit. It's to produce much fruit. And I look at something that happens here, and I think, well, this isn't just Jesus showing off. He doesn't do that. But he is our teacher. Everything he does is for our instruction. So I think he takes fruitful and then shows us what much fruit looks like. He takes productive and he shows us what very productive looks like. Somebody goes and they bring five loaves of fish, or five loaves of bread, excuse me, and a couple of fish and hand it off to him, and that, that's fruitful. They, they produced. But then he shows us what it means to bear much fruit. To not simply check off the box that, yeah, I did my good deed, but to be able to have that lifestyle of productivity that exceeds simply being productive. And when I look at his actions, I see instructions. I mean, the reality is I put myself in the position of, of the guy bringing the bread, right? I mean, what would my attitude have been? The attitude that we need to look at is the attitude that Jesus has when that's brought to him. And you need to understand that in this situation or in this circumstance, Jesus is leading that meeting. I want you to consider how many things you lead. You know, leading in, in your household, leading raising children, leading in, in the workplace, leading in, in Christian ministry, all the areas that you have leadership. When someone brings something to you and they're productive, what is your response? Do you gauge whether or not it's enough? Do you look at it as as the beginnings of something great. And I have to ask myself where my attitude lies. Is my attitude like Jesus or is my attitude lacking? So he has this handed to him and then he does a few things. And I think it's worth noting what those few things are. 
The word says that when these things are handed to him, you can read between the lines and see what he doesn't do. He doesn't complain. I mean, he doesn't say, is this all you found? That's it? I mean, come on, man. Get back out there and shake them down. Somebody's got to have something. I mean, he has this brought to him, and his attitude is very much positive. It's not negative. And, and there's something that needs to happen in our lives that I think is very helpful. It's the beginning to, to graduating from being productive to being very productive. And it's realizing that what God has available to us now is enough. What we have available to us right now is enough. And I think that's a real important thing to catch. If we don't realize that, then we're going to be focusing on what we don't have. And by definition, that's covetous. And covetous is really nasty business. You'll see it in the scripture, uh, specifically in Ephesians 5.5. Covetousness is included in the same category as immorality and, and all of these corrupt things, and it's identified as idolatry. And it also says that anyone who partakes in it has no inheritance, not some, not a little, none, no inheritance in the kingdom of God. So I think it's important that we don't be ruled by covetous, that we don't be fixated on what we don't have, but that we understand this is what we do have. And God has provided what we do have for a reason and a purpose. The door has now been opened for something great to happen. And it starts with that gratitude. Now, the word says that he, he looks to heaven and he gives thanks. If you see gives thanks, you're probably reading like an NIV. I think there's a couple other translations that say gives thanks. A, a few other translations say bless. So I want to talk about both, giving thanks and blessing. Now, that's actually interchangeable even at my house. I mean, if we were to sit down to, to enjoy a meal together, I might ask, you know, who would like to offer thanks? And, and one of the boys might or I might or, you know, or, or we might say, who would like to, to bless the food? And, and they may do the same. So consider it interchangeable, but let's look at uh, giving thanks. If that's the translation you have in your scripture there, I think that's important. I told you before we're going to find out what God's will is for your life and for my life. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you in Jesus, that in everything give thanks. If you need 5,000 loaves of bread and you only get five, give thanks. In everything give thanks. There's something that great... Something great takes place when we're grateful. I mean, uh, Psalm 100, verse 4, it reads like this. And we used to sing this as a song when I was a kid. I remember the song in church. But it was, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Well, I think that's an interesting thing to consider. You know, enter his gates with thanksgiving. I'd like for us to consider that passage of Scripture from this perspective that it's thanksgiving that's the key to opening up that gate. I mean, without gratitude, without being grateful, without being thankful, you, you, don't, you don't even get through the gate. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. I mean, we've got to be grateful. It's very important that our mentality be, be affected, that our heart be affected by this truth, that when we're handed 
you know, five loaves of bread when we know we need 5,000 loaves of bread that our first thought isn't this lack of gratitude. But let our first thought be thank you. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 uh, bring about the, the relieving factor that comes with being thankful. It's this instruction on how to handle worry. If I needed 5,000 loaves of bread and somebody just handed me five, I, I might get a little worried. I don't think this is going to be enough. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus. When I've been worried that, that what I have isn't enough, it has affected my heart and my mind. There have been times before where I have been awakened in the middle of the night by worry. And I know something needs to happen to guard my mind or to guard my heart. And in this case, you see the need to, to pray and offer it to God. But if we do that and it's missing that other ingredient that's necessary, we may not like the effects. Keep in mind, it says, by prayer, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Gratefulness is important. It is necessary. It's the key ingredient to having the peace that comes from God and the understanding that he will make his provision known. Uh, the other thing that Jesus does, I mean, if you're looking at this, he, he looks toward heaven and he gives thanks, or he looks toward heaven and he blessed the food. Blessing will always precede multiplication. I'll give you a couple of passages of scripture for your notes. Genesis 1.28, Genesis 1.9, or 9.1, excuse me. These are, are, are moments in creation where you see God blessing, and you'll see these words connected together, you know, uh, when God blessed, he said, be fruitful and multiply. So the scripture is connecting these things, that the blessing is this call for productivity, or as we were looking, you know, extremely productive or much fruit, and then multiplication. The other element that Jesus uh, reveals to us here in his actions are gratitude, blessing, and then he takes it and he breaks it. He broke the loaves. I mean, it's just a funny thing to consider that here's somebody that needs 5,000 loaves of bread. He gets handed, you know, uh, five loaves of bread. And he takes them and he's grateful for them. And in, in blessing them, he takes them and then he begins to, to break them. Well, I mean, what would happen if you had a loaf of bread and you began to break it? You're, you're making it smaller, right? And, and part of me thinks, well, you know, is this guy going to break these five loaves into 5,000 tiny little pieces? But he begins to, to, to manage what he has. And I think that's a real important thing. I mean, I know that God has a call on my life to, to do great things. Do I wait for great things to just happen? Or do I look at the things that God's brought into my life here and now to accomplish? And then do I accomplish those things with greatness? Am I managing well what God has given me right here and right now? Or am I stuck in the situation where I'm metaphorically hoping to one day hit big? Managing what you have. I love this. And I mean, you could sit and talk about this all day. But, but what you don't see Jesus do is something like we would expect, you know, from, from some, you know, magician, some David Copperfield or David Blaine or something, where they take these five loaves and then they, they do their little abracadabra and then, 
voila, there's 5,000 loaves. Now, he still has five, and he starts to break them. He's not looking for some magical transformation. Rather, he's continuing to manage what God has placed in his hand. And it's when he's managing what God has already placed in his hand that something great starts to happen. He begins to then now do the third, or the, the, the third thing that you see here. One was thanksgiving and blessing. Those things were attached. Two was the breaking, which is the managing of what God puts in your hand. And then the third thing is the giving. After being grateful for and blessing what God's put in his hand, he begins to manage what God puts in his hand, and now he begins to distribute what God has put in his hand. And in this distribution, something fantastic takes place. It doesn't run out. I mean, it just keeps on being passed out. It keeps on moving. And you have to understand, I mean, this started with someone in the front. Hey, pass this back. And it just keeps getting passed back and passed back. It finally reaches the person in the very back. And it's continuing to go. It's a really phenomenal and incredible thing. And I have to ask myself, why is this history in the Scripture? Why is this in there? Is this just one more thing to, to prove that, that Jesus is something uniquely special? Or is this Jesus showing us what life looks like when we function as we're called to function and be productive as we're called to be productive? Well, I understand and know that Jesus is not revealed to us as some kind of extraterrestrial. He's not like one of the X-Men where God is showing off his son with superpowers and we're all meant to just be in awe. But rather, Jesus is coming to teach us and show us and lead us in the way that we're supposed to go. So here's where I want to, to bring this for the purpose of, of thanksgiving. I want us to consider what God has provided to us. What has he given us? And to protect us from being covetous, I want the mentality to be now, how do I function like Jesus with what I've been given? Maybe I need 5,000 and I have five. What's my attitude? Is my attitude the same as Jesus where I'll be grateful for it? It'll be blessed. I'll begin to manage it and I'll begin to give it away as God calls me to give it away. And I'll trust that he'll multiply it. Or is my mentality going to be this is never going to be enough? I've got news for you. It's never going to be enough as a trap. If your mentality is it's never going to be enough, your mentality will remain it's never going to be enough no matter how much you have. I've seen it a, a, a handful of times. I was going to say a thousand times. That's probably a stretch. But I've seen it a lot. Helping people, helping families, you know, working with, with individuals that are needing to see a breakthrough. There are some individuals that I know, they'll, they'll come on a weekly basis with tremendous need. And the reality is you could back a dump truck of cash up to their front door and dump it. And a week later, they're going to need another one. How do we handle what God puts in our hand? And when we handle it the way Jesus instructs, I trust that we'll have heavenly results. And I think that's an important thing to consider. So as Jesus reveals this through this last step of, of distribution or giving, I want to offer a couple of, of thoughts, and, and I'll offer them in one passage of Scripture. And I, I want to close with this, you know, is what we need to be aware of. You have something and I have something, and we need to be aware of it. I want to show you in this passage of Scripture what we have. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, 
Jesus is speaking, and he's talking about distribution. I mean, he's talking about giving. This applies to everything in your life. For me, I have a family. It applies to my time and my affection, my attention. It applies to every aspect of my living, relationally, functioning in business, financially. Every single aspect of my life is being addressed in this passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it'll be given to you, poured into your lap, in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, here's the part that I want us to catch. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. Now, you know something is true when even the world tries to wrap its mind around that. I mean, the world would catch this passage of Scripture, and though they would deny the deity of Jesus Christ or, or the, the, the presence of a, a creator, an almighty God, they would still say, well, that principle still kind of rings true. Let's call it karma. You know, what goes around comes around. But karma's got nothing to do with it. It's not just some, you know, universe being balanced out by action and reaction. It's the measure that you measure with is the measure in which is measured back to you. I have to ask myself, in this first measure, who's doing the measuring? Me. In the second measure, who's doing the measuring? God. What's my measure? I mean, this is the thing that we need to be aware of. God, what's my measure? What is my measure? with my time? What is my measure with my affection? What is my measure with my attention? What is my measure with any aspect of my life? What's my measure? And in most of those cases, how can I change my measure? How can I increase my measure? Because the measure that I want measured back to me is obviously not the same. So here's the the point of all of this and why this would even have anything to do with this season of thanksgiving. When I think about Thanksgiving, I think in title it's about being grateful, but the reality is you have to ask yourself, what what are we being grateful for? I mean, Thanksgiving as a holiday is is a holiday that celebrates prosperity. I mean, it celebrates a, a people who were productive in such a measure that they made it. A group of people who who made it through a hard time, a trial, a difficulty, because they had enough. And when they come together, they express that gratitude. Well, for you and for me, this this identifies our call. We're not just called to be productive. We're called to be very productive or much productive or whatever descriptive word you want to use that talks about more. We're called to bear a lot of fruit. It's a lifestyle. And that productivity leads to a point of gratitude. Not just in your life, God, thank you for making me so productive. But when we're productive, it spills out onto those around us. And it becomes an opportunity to minister and to share. And it leads people to a place of being grateful. So as we consider Thanksgiving, I want to offer this. How do you handle what God puts in your hand? Do we handle it like Jesus or do we handle it some other way? And if we handle it like Jesus, it's going to be with gratitude and blessing It's going to be with management, and it's going to be with distribution. And as we consider all the things that God's placed in your hand, it opens up the door for a wonderful 
reevaluation of who we are and how we live to take place. I want to ask you to stand with me. I want to pray. I want to pray and ask God to do something great for you and for me. I want to tell you one of the biggest challenges in my life as it concerns uh, an idea or a message like we've, we just uh, uh, saw in the Word. One of the biggest challenges in me is the management of my time. I mean, it just feels like it's never enough. I feel like I need 5,000 loaves and I only have five. I mean, I feel like I need a 30-hour day and I only have 24. Uh, <laughs> My, my wife had a dream the other day that the world ended and I still went to work. I'm, it was a real dream. She was like, I need to tell you about this dream, you know. Uh, the world came to an end and everyone was in survival mode and you were still going to work. And people were like, what, what's he doing, you know. That's real, though. I mean, it, I'm, I'm a bit of a worker. That's kind of in me to do that. But that's obviously a reality in my house. I, I do. I work all Time. And I have to ask myself, what is my attitude with time? Am I always deep sighing and thinking, man, if I only had more time? I mean, Jesus didn't deep sigh and say, man, if I only had more bread. He realized this is what God's provided. And when, it, when, when we can position ourselves to be grateful and to bless what God has provided and then manage it according to God's ways and then distribute it according to how God would call us to, it'll be enough. And in this case, we're, we're told that it's not even just enough, but it's more than enough. And they picked up baskets of leftovers. I mean, you have to ask yourself, is this story just for good reading? Another piece of history that testifies that Jesus Christ, you know, is the Messiah? It could be, but I don't think so. I think it's Jesus leading us and guiding us in how to handle the measure that we have. That which has been given to us can be embraced with gratitude, blessed, managed, distributed in such a way that not only is it abundant and more than enough, but it meets the needs of all of those around us. And I think that leads to thanksgiving. I've never seen a picture of a thanksgiving table that barely had enough food on it. When you consider, you know, all that represents Thanksgiving, it's about abundance. It's about being incredibly fruitful. And that's the call that God's placed on my life and your life. And it's not dependent upon what has been put in our hand. Rather, it's dependent upon what we do with what's been put in our hand. And it starts with being grateful. I want to pray over us this morning. There where you're at, you're welcome to simply be in agreement uh, as we come together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've called us to be productive. It's our desire to have our hearts ministered to and our minds renewed in such a way that everything in your word that is true would be embraced and put to practice through our words and our actions, our attitudes, every aspect of our living. We thank you that you have placed uh, elements in our hands to be multiplied. And let our hearts, let our minds, and let our actions come into agreement with your word that there would be multiplication, that there would be productivity, that there would be a, a wonderful release of the fruitfulness that you've called us to. Let us be grateful with everything that you've provided. 
Let us bring blessing into those things and not cursing. Let us manage those things as you would lead us to and distribute them freely, that we wouldn't be led by covetousness or greed, but that we would be led by generosity and satisfaction that you have made perfect provision in all things. And let it open up the door for gratitude that we might celebrate with thanksgiving every aspect of our living. We bless your name and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at chancechurch.com.